Well, it is a privilege to serve you as lead pastor. It's great to have some extra friends in the house today. It really is an honor. And you guys are bold and courageous to get out in the cold weather. And, um, and you know, hey, uh, we have heaters in our cars and all that. So really, it's not that big of a deal compared to our, our uh, great-grandparents and all that they did to get on to church on a winter day. But uh, glad that you're here. Welcome those online as well. I'm in a series that I thought was going to be two or three uh, parts, but it might be longer than that, as I'm already fi- uh, finding. Uh, priest, warrior, king. That's who Jesus is, and then he actually releases these things in us for us to partner with him and walk in these things with him. When I got this uh, strong word the first week of January, it was really about the warrior piece. But then God stopped me and wouldn't let me preach that early in January. He said, you need to focus on priest first. And I thought, okay, I'll do that message, and then I'll get the second one to, but no, I'm doing another one on priest. I think, <laughs> you know, I believe next Sunday will be on the warrior message, which I believe is a key to this, uh, what God wants to say to us this month. And... Um, um, Part of this is that I believe very strongly, and I want you to have expectancy, that God's word to us, that God will show himself strong in 2024, all right? And I just want to build your faith and say, expect that, expect that. And, uh, and again, I believe we'll get into that more deeply um, next Sunday. So we are in this role of Jesus Christ our priest. There were priests in the Old Covenant, and I want to start off with a couple of verses I used last Sunday in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 9, and I'm going to pray as you uh, turn there. Well, Father, uh, we I just sense hungry sheep in the room this morning, hungry sheep thirsty sheep. Lord, we're hungry. Good shepherd, we're hungry. We want food from your word this morning. We want living water from your spirit this morning and to transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. So this scripture in First Peter is describing us who we are as Christians, New Testament believers, and it says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, hey, you guys, you are special. Do you feel special today? Because the word of God calls you special. And you are set apart as a special generation, a chosen one by him. You're not just a nation of people, a tribe of people, but you are a holy nation because of his blood that has washed us. And he calls us into the priesthood. We are all priests. If you think, well, I don't know if I can relate to that. I don't know if I... Well, too bad you are a priest. If you are a child of God through his blood and salvation uh, through Jesus, you are a priest And it's a royal priesthood. It is the ones, the priesthood for the king, the highest of priesthoods. That's what you and I are. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not uh, obtained mercy, but now have have obtained mercy. So it's by mercy that we are this special chosen generation, this people of God, it's by mercy. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as personal order Savior, you haven't sensed this before that, hey, I'm part of a family of God, you know, I'm not all alone, then that's part of salvation, brings you into a family, into a chosen generation, and God wants you to experience that. And if you are a believer, he wants you to step into that and experience that. I was talking a couple Sundays ago about the Old Testament priesthood. And one of their responsibilities was to um, keep 
the altars burning with incense. And the incense was specially designed and made, and, and that was something to represent this constant worship and honor uh, that incense and smoke was supposed to rise up. And really, the, the priest, they, it was a whole tribe of people. The Levites were those who took care of the temple, and the priests came out of this tribe of Levites. There were hundreds and thousands of priests and Levites. There were hundreds and thousands of them. And it, it took a lot of work uh, to do all the details around uh, the, the... First, it was the tent of Moses, and then the tent of Tabernacle of David. Then uh, Solomon built this wonderful temple, and then Herod rebuilt it for uh, the, in Jesus' time. But I, I want to just show you uh, an image and describe to you a little bit about some of things that happened with this temple. And what you got is is you had these outer courts where it had specific uh, restrictions and things you could just do in the outer courts. But here we are next to the temple. There were two rooms. There was altars on the outside, and then that first room was called the holy place. And they had different things they would do in there. And then a veil, and the last room called the holy of holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And this veil was a clear delineation is this is a barrier. Only the high priest once a year passed through that veil into that Holy of Holies and performed uh, sprinkled blood from the sacrifices and then burned the incense that would be atonement. That means uh, washing the sins away of the people for one year. And so this was... A, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, this was a big deal. Once the, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, it's in the fall, and this was this Day of Atonement and uh, washing away the sins. But this veil, I want to talk about it for a minute. It's not those uh, cute little beads ladies put in their closets and they get to go into their closet in the back, you know, or a pretty little flowery curtain or something. No, this veil was hefty. It was massive, and not in our Old Testament writings, but in rabbinic uh, Jewish writings, the the rabbis described this thing as having threads of like 26 threads and that made cords, and then the cords were put together, woven into woven to make this massive veil, and it, it was as thick as a man's hand, three and a half, four inches thick. And so they, they said even horses could not tear if you, if you tied this veil onto horses going opposite. It was too strong to be torn. It was just, and, and if, when, if they did had to move it or clean it or something, it took up to 300 uh, priests to handle this thing and work with it. So that's, that's not your, you know, veil over a, a, a bride's nice, sweet little, dainty thing. No, this thing was heavy duty, and it was saying something, that in this old covenant, there is a barrier. Only the high priest can come in once a year, and even then they tied a rope to his leg so that if he had a bad attitude toward God or something unholy, and God's holy uh, presence was so powerful, killed him, they could drag that body out of there. Wow. Well, I want to tell you, there's things going on. This was, you know, centuries ago in the temple. In heaven, there's a throne room. And I I just want to describe what this throne room is like. Because it includes activities of what priests do. So um, I'm going to go to... Uh, Revelation chapter 5, and what's been happening in this throne room where there's this throne, the, the Father, God, the King, he's sitting, on, he's sitting at his throne, and he has a book that has is sealed up. It's a scroll sealed up. And the, the angels cry out to who is worthy to open this scroll? And no one was found worthy. And then Jesus comes in 
to the throne room. He's actually a lamb that was slain. So you could actually see the wounds of the sacrifice on him. And he's the one who is worthy to take this scroll and open it. Let's start reading at verse 8. Chapter 5, verse 8. When he, that's Jesus Christ, had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Let me stop right there. Harp represents the worship from the saints. And these bowls full of incense, that smoke is representing the prayers of the saints. That's you and me. When we have Open the Wells, third Friday of the month, uh, worship and prayer night, we, we do them together. We do worship and prayer. It's not one or the other. It's intermixed like this in the throne room. and that, So that's on purpose. We're, we're wanting to do what they do in heaven. Next verse goes on, and they sang a new song, one that they haven't sung in eternity yet, a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, uh, with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. See, you and me, we have been purchased by his blood. And we're part of this chosen holy nation of a royal priesthood. Next verse, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So that when we get to the king piece of the series, we get to reign with the king. He, he actually sends us with his authority, and we'll get to that. But it says here, we're a kingdom, and, and we're this priest to God. So I want to tell you right now, you it's a function of you of being a child of God, and I love being called a son of the treasured of the treasured king. I love being a son. I love being a part of the army. But you need to see yourself. I am a priest. And I do these activities. I do worship and I do prayer. And so here in 2024, as I ask you to to look into your life as you go into uh, uh, this year, evaluate these five areas. And I'm, I'm going to go over them pretty quickly. But uh, verse uh, the first one was in worship. That worship is easy to find on YouTube. You can find your favorite songs in YouTube in five seconds. There's no, uh, you know, difficult access to get to worship that helps you turn your mind into worship. I just loved, I mentioned it last time, Robert Morris's humble uh, admission from a number of years ago that God convicted him and said, you are doing Drive through quiet times. That feel of drive through, you're rushed, you're, and he had dropped off worship. He was still getting in prayer and the word, but he had dropped off worship. And so I challenge you to evaluate your times with God and, and let the Lord lead you and guide you. Number two, evaluate the area of prayer in your life. I know that. Uh, hey, well, you know, what do I say in prayer? Do I, you know, I lift up my friends and family. It takes me about a minute, and then, then what I do next? So, um, you know, a handful of years ago, I did a, a series on, we call it the Lord's Prayer traditionally, but it's really the di- discipleship prayer where Jesus gives to the disciples instructions on how to pray. And he says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And these are broken down into six phrases, six parts that can guide you in prayer. And I've got this little prayer card guide on the back table. You know, I can send it to you electronically. Just don't feel like, oh, I don't know what to do with my prayer time. No, there's, God gives us instructions. It's not as hard as you think. You can grow in that. I can't wait to get in next week, Lord willing, about this God's strength through his word. So that's number three on this list is the word that you're studying uh, and, and, and meditating on God's Word. Number four, there's community. I'm so excited about the new life groups and the ones that we're, we are restarting here in the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be a great opportunity for you to step in 
the, the fellowship of the body of Christ. And then number five, all of these can be striked away if there's not obedience. And so in the end, that's where we want to be open. God, you know, be honest with me. If, I've, if there's something I left back a couple months ago and I haven't obeyed, bring that back to me. I want to get back on a road of loving you through obedience. I want to talk now about differences uh, with us, the, the old covenant priest and the new covenant priest. Old covenant uh, relationship with God and you and I, the new covenant, covenant fellowship we can have with the Lord. I want to tell you, it is tons better than the old covenant. Our Bibles are split in those two parts. You have, we call it the Old Testament, which really means the same thing as Old Covenant and New Testament. We're New Testament believers. We're New Covenant believers. And there's a big difference. And it's about the presence of God. So I'm going to give you three terms that, you know, don't perfectly cover it all, but help us understand the different ways we know God's presence or God's presence is, is known in the earth. The one is God is omnipresent. You can go skip down to that chart there, David. So God is omnipresence. Omni means all in all ways. And so we believe he's also omniscient. He's all-knowing. Uh, he's all-powerful. He's uh, omnipotent. So he's omnipresence. He, we can't hide from God. Nobody can. You can't, like, drive out in the mountains and go, okay, I'm hidden from God now. No, he is there just as much as anywhere. And he's there in the times of sorrow and pain. Though we may not feel him or we wonder if he's close. He is close. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. Nobody can run from God. God is everywhere. The next one I want to talk about some is manifest presence. God's manifest presence. Manifest just means that it becomes obvious. It becomes clear. It happens to our five senses And so we feel it, see it, hear it, and it's so obvious the manifest presence of God came down. And the old covenant people, they knew omnipresence and they knew at times manifest presence. That's the way it's described in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God came down or came on them. Um, It has this outside, God comes and and, and he comes from the outside, and he touches us and leads us. It can be as powerful in the Old Testament as those wandering in the wilderness, and they had a pillar of fire at night. That's pretty obvious. Wow. His manifest presence there, a cloud of his presence by day. It's the Spirit of God coming on Samson and having this supernatural strength to do victories for God, him and other warriors. It's miracles that God did through the prophets and through others, leaders in the Old Testament, these miracles that happen. It's, you see it in the, the book of Psalms. David describes it in worship, this manifest presence, and it affects, can affect your emotions, your mind, the way you think, and it can affect the way you feel, and the, pre, the peace of God, it's so wonderful there was a time in, when they were, the priests were, and I'm sure this happened more many other times, but there's this one time where all the priests, hundreds of them were there dedicating this Solomon's temple and worship and, and praise, and they couldn't stand any longer. The presence the God, the Spirit of God came down so much, they just went limp. And they're all, hundreds of these very strong and capable men are on the ground before God. The manifest presence. Of God, it's 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 revival seasons that we experience. Where God, we we see Him working, and 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 it's it, 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 we can feel Him physically, and or hear and see Him, and it affects us. And it's even when that touches our spirit, man, it's even that much more amazing. The third one I want to talk to you about is a new covenant presence, and that's the inner presence. 
the inner dwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. And guys, this is awesome. This is God's promise, his guarantee to you what he's done when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. This is so that he could release the Holy Spirit to all of us and we get to have him in us. Let's go to um, a couple of scriptures. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, earlier in this chapter, there's this description of our bodies being part of the family of God, the, the, the body of Christ. And he goes in to say, hey, why would you take a part of the body of Christ and go have fornication and sexual immorality and adultery with someone? In fact, what's happening in this city, the city of Corinth, is they had a pagan uh, religion at the temple where they would have temple prostitution. And that was part of their worship was go fornicate with a temple prostitute. And so Paul is addressing this, said, listen, you can't intermix this with pure worship before God. That's, that's unholy. You don't take your body, which is part of the body of Christ, and give it over to a prostitute. That's unholy. And then he goes on in, in uh, verse 19 of chapter 6. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Awesome. See, you are called, your body is a, called a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I know Solomon's temple and the Herod's temple, it was this massive building, it was laid with gold. It had these two rooms of worship and the holy holies with the veil. It was amazing. It was so, but it's better because that's, you don't have to depend on priests going there for you. You don't have to depend on waiting till the feast to go worship. You are a walking temple of the Spirit of God. Day in, day out. Instead of having one temple God has millions of temples all over the world. And we're all priests and we're worshiping and praying, doing our priestly duties in a sense every day in this temple. Next verse, verse 20. For you were bought, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So it's not just glorify God in my spirit, in my day of when I go to church and spiritual activities. No, it's in my body every day and in my spirit. There's not, there's not a difference. God wants me to be holy before him, glorify him in all that I do. It's, it's, he bought me my whole bearing, being spirit, soul, and body with his blood. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to Jesus, the high priest, our warrior, our king, He's the lover of our souls. He bought us. We belong to him. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews as a book is the book to read about priesthood, about Jesus Christ being our priest and and, uh, high priest. And and, and it's a book of Hebrews. It was written for Hebrews to explain to them that, hey, it was... Pretty amazing what happened there, but Jesus is the one sacrifice and the one priest you need now. That's it. Don't start looking at old ways of trying to pick that back up again because Jesus does it all. He is the perfect priest. I want to read a few verses out of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. It says this, For this reason he had to be, being Jesus, had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Okay, look at that. So that's why we have this phrase to, ex- to explain the Trinity, that God is Father, the Son Jesus, and then, 
And then the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And that God, the Son, is both fully man when he lived here 33 years and fully God. And, you know, it's hard to explain. You can't get into details because it's never happened anywhere else or any other time. So it's hard to put in English and we just do the best we can with it. But here it says that for this reason to be that priest for us and that perfect sacrifice, he was made like us, fully human in every way, every way, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. It goes on in the next verse, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So God is able Because Jesus walked as a fully man, fully God, without sinning, but understands and went through temptation and suffering, he can help us as we go through that as well. For me, the the priesthood that we walk in is easily summed up in this word, the presence of God. And I want to ask a question, and, 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 you know, what does it mean to be the people of his presence? Because that's what we're called. We're priests. We, that's what we do at the temple all the time. We have a lot of people doing it, working together. Now it's just it's you and God, and, of course, we help each other. So the first, I've just broken it down again. You could have a long list here. I'm just putting a, a few things. What does it mean to be a people of his presence? One is be expectant to sense him. You you expect during the day that you're not going to feel alone. That you are, you're aware of his closeness. That you are experiencing his love, his power, and that there's no end to intimacy with him. And you expect that on a normal day, not a church day. I'm just talking about a normal day. To be a people of his presence, you have expectancy. Now, now I'm using the word sense. We've already talked about the manifest presence of God. That's so obvious and clear and comes from outside. That's your five senses uh, primarily. And so now I'm talking about another sense, a a sixth, you know, a, a, a six, number six, sense that it's, it's sometimes it's just you, you know that he's close. And that confidence and is so strong, it's like you almost sense him or you do sense him from the inside that he's with you. There's no barriers there. I, I want to do a little confession here and um, that this is really important to break through any kind of silly uh, strongholds in your mind, uh, little lies that you might believed. And, and I'm an extreme extrovert as a personality. And I always admired introverts who could just study the Word and, and seem never to get distracted, and intercessors who uh, have these long prayer times, and they just stay focused. And then I know how my mind and my bounce around and so forth. And this past fall, God says, there's no excuses, Stephen. Because even for extreme extroverts like you who have get uh, uh, distracted by external stimuli and people and all this, I have opened the door wide for you as well. You can expect to sense me on any normal day. And this is what I paid for. This is what I give to you as a priest. Your role as a priest, introverts and extroverts, all of you, we do it a little differently. We have kind of different ways and so forth. And that's we need that freedom there. Let me go to the next one. We have an expectancy to hear his voice. It says in John chapter 10 that he is a good shepherd and, and that his sheep know his voice, can hear his voice, recognize his voice, and follow his voice. The sheep want to follow the shepherd. They trust the shepherd. And so this is something if you're, at a crossroads and you got to make a decision if you're 
if you see some dilemma coming up and you're praying about it and you start getting anxious and fearful, I don't know if we're going to find God's will and hear his voice. Oh, no. Listen, you're a priest. You're a people of his presence. And God wants to speak to you. He knows how to get to you and your personality type and, and so forth. Rest in this promise that, yes, God still speaks and he speaks to you and he's not going to leave you hanging there. Of course, his voice <clears throat> comes in many different ways and, and, and we see that in Scripture. It's, sometimes we might actually have this series of thoughts that keep coming to us. We realize, oh, this is, this is by the Spirit. This is not just my mind. It might be uh, something we're reading in Scripture. God loves talk, speaking through a Scripture. You've read this Scripture before, but boom, oh my goodness, that, that applies to what I'm praying about. It could be something I say in, in a message you hear a preacher say. It could be in a worship. So, oh, that, that line in the... You're, and I like to say this to God sometimes. But God, I'm just all ears. And I don't care even if I look like this guy over here. Pick up that image up there. I mean, God, if I look that silly, just open my ears, spiritual ears, to get as big as they can. And I'm listening all day long. And I'm listening during my prayer time, right? It's, it's, it's not either or, just during quiet time. And then, no, it's all day I've got ears open. And I'm wanting to see what you're saying and how you're applying it to my life. But we need to have an expect, expectancy for it, right? That's part of a people of his presence is we expect to experience these things of his uh, uh, sensing him, his closeness and his voice. And the last one I want to talk about uh, today is expectant to partner with him. I have this, um, I've had over the years, different images, almost like a vision, maybe a vision, maybe more of a picture that's very brief of Jesus, and it leads to ministry to me and so forth, and, and so uh, back, in, back in the fall, I've, I've had uh, this, um, this image of Jesus that um, I really liked it, and I've meditated on it to be sure, hey, you know, is that from the Lord? And I think it, I think it is. <clears throat> but um, I was seeing Jesus, you know, as a man, and uh, our relationship, and I saw us in my car. And I was in the driver's seat, he's in the passenger seat, and we do this kind of little thing, we look at each other, and we do a fist bump. And that was it. And it's like, hey, I'm with you. We're, we're together in this. Wherever we're going and what we're, who are you going to be serving or ministering to? Where, I'm, we're together. We're ministering together. And, you know, you see this in people's on uh, bumper stickers or stickers on the back of cars. You see that phrase, Jesus is my co-pilot. And, you know, I've heard that phrase a long time, and sometimes you might see someone else, but, well, Jesus is my pilot. I don't know about you, but he's my pilot. That's better than a co-pilot. And, you know, I was like, yeah, well, that's true. Maybe he's my pilot. Well, this, this little vision I had, this picture I had, he is, he's like my co-pilot. I'm driving the wheel. And when I meditate on that, that image works. Hey, he can be my pilot too, okay? I'm not, like, against the, throwing it down too much here. But in, I just want to say that here he is next to me, and I get instructions on where to go. Turn left at this next stop sign. Keep going straight. Slow down. Speed up. Maybe not speed up, but whatever, right? And then I choose if I follow him. I might go, I don't know where that is. I don't like that road. I didn't like where that led me last time, right? I get to choose whether I follow his instructions. So him being I'm with me at the steering wheel makes some sense because I'm just doing what he says, hopefully by the grace of God, right? But there's also in this is that we, we're in this together. We're close. Fist bump. Hey, we got it. We got this. We got this together. 
And I want to turn us to a few scriptures that I believe help solidify this. John 7, verse 37, this is uh, on the, uh, uh, I think it's the Feast of Tabernacles at the last day of this feast and all these people around and Jesus totally interrupts the priest and he's going to be pouring out this this uh, big pitcher of water um, as part of the last and great day, uh, uh, kind of a, a crescendo moment of the, of the whole feast. In verse 37 of John 7 says, And on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood, cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So he's saying that invitation the Lord's talking about. Come to me. Come to Anybody's thirsty? Lord God, make us thirsty. Amen? Let us, and, and, and if we've been thirsty and we, we're not anymore, Lord, make us thirsty again. Next verse, 38. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see that? Out of our heart. It's that inner presence. Jesus is already there. We don't have to ask him to come down today. Like in the Old Testament, they had to go and to the presence uh, in, into the temple worship. They had, they had to ask for God to come down. No, Jesus is with you, in you, by his Spirit. And this is not a trickle of living waters. We've got a river of living waters. So let's take our expectations and our ex- expectancy up. Not a trickle, but a river. 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet giving, given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And this isn't part of my message today, because I'm, I'm going to move toward our, our communion focus in just a moment. But I want to say that when you become a believer, and you ask Jesus in your heart, you repented from your sins, you turned away, you're turning to Jesus. Now, you believe that he... He made the way of all this. He died on the cross for your sins and shame. And he rose from the grave defeating that sin and shame. You have the Holy Spirit actually comes in you and lives in you. But as we find in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in the teachings in the New Testament, sometimes we have the Spirit, but it's not flowing out of us. And that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Where it's a filling and overflowing. It's not just for us. It's to be as witnesses to have his power flowing, his pre- presence flowing through us. And, and so I want to encourage you, if you're a man, I don't know, this, this is all I, I believe is in me, but I don't know about rivers of living water. That's so unusual. I don't think that's, let me tell you, I want to encourage you to start studying and asking questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because there is, God wants you to have a, his presence in a fullness, in a flow. I'm going to do one uh, last passage before we uh, get our elements out. And again, if you didn't get uh, these, we have them in the back. You can um, raise your hand or, or, and, and someone will grab them for you. And uh, same online, kind of get your um, community elements ready. But when in, in Luke chapter 23... I'm going to describe a few verses here of what's happening in this chapter and and then start reading, uh, David, I'm going to skip down to verse 44 in just a minute. But there were two criminals on either side of Jesus. And they had gone through their trials and so forth, been found guilty with evidence, etc. And one started uh, reviling Jesus and and. And, and the other one said, hold it, don't you know that you and I are the ones that deserve this punishment? This man did nothing wrong. And uh, this criminal turns to Jesus while they're hanging on the cross. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that wasn't the perfect salvation prayer. He didn't, you know... Say all the parts just right. But that was a heart that cried out and said, I trust you and believe that you have a kingdom we don't see right now. And when you come into your kingdom, remember me, O king. And that cry was enough where Jesus said back to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today 
you will be with me in paradise in heaven. Now, I want to read you in the next few verses. Verse 44. Now, it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until ninth hour. Verse 45 says, Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. Listen, that phrase in verse 45, And the veil of the temple was torn in two is so critical. It's saying, hey, you criminal over there, because of my blood, it's going to wash you away. You can just step right on in to the Holy of Holies. Just like the high priest could only do it once a year. You're going to just step right in into paradise with me, and it's because of my blood over you. It's saying that all of us, we are chosen high priests or royal priesthood. We get to go right in every day, folks. It's not something you have to work up, something that you have to figure out. It is wide open for you. Imagine those priests and Levites around the temple and in the temple. When they start hearing this ripping like they've never heard coming from the inside of the building there where the holy place is. And they look and they see this thing from top to bottom being torn down. How did what it's going on? God said, hey, my holy open is open by my son's blood. Come on. Be expectant that you can sense him and. The intimacy of God is completely flown wide open to you. There are no limits. Hearing his voice, he wants us to hear his voice. He knows how to get to us. And he loves to partner with us. He said, rivers of living waters are coming out of you. He didn't say, wait until my spirit falls. He didn't say, uh, pray and then I'll come down. No, he says, We are walking temples and we have these rivers uh, that are available right here. Thank you, Lord. That Holy Holies is open. This communion we're taking, folks. I know it's a little dry cracker and a little juice in there, but it is a symbol of this torn, this torn veil that God said, come on in. I'm inviting you in. It's wide open. Come on in. Live. Be a people of my presence. Live like it. Talk like it. Oh, thank you, God. Mm. Stephen, you don't know my past. Well, he had a criminal right there to let us know. Yes, you're guilty. I'm guilty. We're all guilty. We all must have the blood of Christ cleansing us. We can't do it without his blood. Stephen, you don't know my past. No, listen, I don't need to know. God knows. And he still says, my blood is enough. My promise is enough. Don't say, but God, or I can, or it's not available, or because you don't know me. Listen, God knows, and he says, it is enough. I am enough. I didn't fall short with just 90% uh, accuracy to win people to Christ and come into my family. I'm 100% victorious to open this path. Hmm. Let's go ahead and dim the lights here in the sanctuary. I'm going to actually put up on the overhead. Normally don't do this for communion, but uh, the two scriptures we're looking at for communion right now. Luke 22, starting at verse 19. This is the Last Supper, the experience with the now 11, uh, uh, the 12 disciples. And he said, Verse 19, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
So he gave his body. And therefore, when he bought us with his blood, our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls, we belong to him. Next verse. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. It's a new covenant. The old had some amazing dynamics, but always fell short. It was a foreshadowing of how awesome this new covenant would be. And so he says, this cup resembles my promise to you that the veil is torn and all intimacy, all my presence and my power is available to you now. Lord, we thank you for these simple elements that they, we remember you, the price you paid to give us all of this. We're so grateful. Just on your own time, feel free to uh, open that uh, little cracker, eat the cracker, and then take the juice and, and just keep entering to worship. In a little few minutes, we'll have some altar ministry team people on the sides encourage you to whatever's going on in your home, your life, your health, Uh, We want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. If there's something about 2024 that you need someone to agree with you, we're we're going to be here for you. I'll be down here a little later as well. And in a few minutes, we'll have a prayer call line online so that those of you online can call over the next 30 minutes this Sunday morning, and you can receive prayer as well.
Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our Rescuer. You are worthy. You're our priest. You're our warrior. You're our king. You're our prophet. You're our deliverer. Oh, we're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for paving the way to our freedom and to our salvation. I want to encourage you, if you're listening online at some time this morning or some other time, that that you take this decision of salvation seriously and get with someone to pray to start or restart. Maybe it was years ago in your childhood or some experience you had and you need to restart. If you're here, we have people available. I'm going to be down here for prayer as well. But if you need anything, we want to be a people of prayer. So we'll hang around and pray with you and agree with you. Lord God, thank you that you are more than enough for this day, this week, this month. Lord, this year, 2024, we set ourselves apart and we are all ears to listen. What are you saying to us about 2024? That we can follow with you, we can partner with you in ministry and life. Lord, we want the rivers of living water to flow through us, out of our inner being, Lord, through us. That's your spirit. So, Lord God, we we yield ourselves and we say, yes, we say, do it, Lord, in 2024. Lord, thank you that you bless us into this week with your goodness and that you are more than enough. Amen. Feel free to go. Feel free to stay and worship some more. Five o'clock tonight. Love to see you back here. Harping and bowling. Worship and prayer tonight. Have a great day.